Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Amy Weiss, and I'm missing Andy Arnott today. He has kids. You know, he's taking care of his kids. So, <laughs> but I'm so excited because I'm here with um, my friend and awesome former Amazon seller <laughs> and now um, go, major go, go. service provider um, of really cool repricing software, um, Aura, Mr. Dylan Carter. Dylan, How's welcome. How's it going? Yes, yes. Sorry, I, I had to plug up uh, my Mac before no we got worries. to. No yeah, worries. I'm, I'm in meetings to, all the time. He was about to try to run out of battery on us. <laughs> so, you know, we don't, we don't play that here yeah, on the Seller Roundtable. <laughs> Um, and we're on episode 80. So like nice. 80 nice episodes number. in, I can't believe it. It's amazing. Right. I love it. Um, so Dylan, you know, mm. I met you a long time ago. I was on yeah. your podcast a long, long time ago when I first got Listing started. Optimization. Yeah. And that people still listen to that episode of me talking about listing optimization. Yeah. And they're like, that was so great. I'm like, you guys, you should really update your training because that was like four years ago, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what's what's crazy is like that was my first podcast and and I'm actually jumping into my third now. Um, first podcast by myself, no clue what I'm doing. And I, I've since kind of like stopped recording those because I wanted it to be evergreen content, um, primarily for wholesale. And we still get 50 to 100 downloads per day. And it's been like probably two years since I stopped recording that. So it's like it's insane. Yes, but that's great. That just means that yeah. it's quality content. You're helping a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's, that's what's awesome yeah. about podcasts, because you know, anyone can really start one. Um, but if you just really have a consistent schedule, and you really it's, it's yeah. one of my most favorite things that I do every week, because it's that time when we get to I get to learn from others in the space, right? I get to reach people. And then I get awesome feedback from people because you know, you get the messages yeah. like, Oh, Amy, I listened to that and it really helped me. Thanks. And it's just, mm -hmm. it's cool. It's really cool. So well, Dylan, and if you ever want to be real quick, if you, as a, as a, like a quick hack for people, if you ever want to become an expert at anything, just start a podcast on it because you don't have to be an expert. You just invite all the experts to come talk to you. And then throughout that process, you just become the expert. Yes. <laughs> so great hack. It's so true. And I have learned so much just since starting a podcast because like so yep. many great providers come on here and just talk right. and, it's just, it's so cool. I love it. Yeah. Um, amazing. That's, it is a really good hack. I love that. I love to learn things to a level where I can teach them. Yes. And so that's always like exactly. my challenge for myself, especially in business, because, you know, you want to be able to teach others so that you're not mm -hmm. always doing that thing in your business. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Otherwise you will never grow. You will just yeah. be too busy chopping down trees to sharpen the ax. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so Let's talk about you, Dylan. Tell everybody a little bit about you and your background. Where are you from? Sure. Where do you live now? <laughs> yeah, all the things have changed. Um, <laughs> so originally from Jacksonville, Florida, so like Northeast Florida, um, like, well, I assume most most young entrepreneurs are like me. That could be wrong. Maybe that's just me trying to make myself feel better about myself, but um, <laughs> struggled for like four years, like just outside of high school, just didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, had, had a weird situation in high school where um, I was considered learning disabled um, at a young age and was given all these labels. And I remember I, I had a teacher 
uh, my sophomore year in high school told me that I was not going to graduate high school with a regular diploma, um, basically was not going to amount to anything. And I believed that for a while because um, I had nothing else to, you know, um, compare it to. Um, and then eventually got into reading, hated reading growing up, found business books and eventually, you know, philosophy and, and, and productivity and, and uh, personal growth. And it completely changed everything. It, it made me get to a point where I'm like, you know what? We're going to start to find my ceiling because I thought my ceiling as a human being was super low. So I was like, all right, well, let's find out where it's actually at, right? Because once I know, I know and I can live with that. And at that time, uh, or, or fast forward, I, I started to kind of jump into things that I wanted to do. I wanted to be a personal trainer. So I went got nationally certified. Um, I did it in half the time that it normally would take, which was kind of a cool thing for me because I'm learning disabled. And that was, here's a textbook. You have a pass fail at a, uh, a national level exam. Good luck. Uh, did it in half the time. It was awesome. Passed it, you know, flying colors, became a full-time personal trainer. Eventually got to a point where I realized for me, service-based businesses were not good, right? I, the only way I can make more money once I'm maxed out on how many clients I can have is to charge them more. And I didn't like that methodology. I didn't like having an, a weird adversarial relationship with the people that I, I served. And so I got to a point where I was like, you know what, I need something that can scale outside of my time. Eventually, I got hooked on this idea of physical products, right? It was in a wheelhouse that I could theoretically do <laughs> and um, listen to a podcast like most of us probably have done, um, realized Amazon FBA was a thing, started with RA at Target and Walmart, just testing it, right? Most most Amazon sellers I find go through a similar path. You find out it exists. You go test it at you know whatever local store, RA, you get sales, you're like, oh, now it's real. And then you start to scale it out and start to kind of treat it seriously, right? Now it's a business. And then eventually I got to a point where me and the GM of the gym did not see eye to eye. And he pretty much said, leave, we're done here, end of discussion. And I had all my clients call me and say, we'll go wherever you want. And for a few days, I considered just opening up my own gym um, or doing home-based stuff, but that wasn't the smartest move. It was a smart move in the short term, but in the long term, it didn't really give me what I was trying to optimize for, which was scalability. So I said, you know what? This is going to suck. Um, did not have a lot of money uh, saved up. And I pretty much told myself, I have three months to figure out how to cover my bills with RA. Um, and that's what I did. And it was great. And then I got to a point again where I was like, I need more scalability. <laughs> I don't want to spend 10 hours a day, you know, quote unquote shopping. Sourcing. And, yeah. The yeah. RA is no joke. Like grind. even when you get in your stride, yes, you're always running out of replenishables. Like you're, mm -hmm. it's like you, you'll find a little gold mine somewhere and then you're like, oh, yeah. I can't find that product anywhere anymore. Yeah. And, uh, and then you try to go get the wholesale account and sometimes right. you can't, sometimes you can. It's just like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. So yeah. now you're running. I love something that you said, though. You said, mm -hmm. I was trying to find my ceiling. Yeah. I think that's so cool because I think that that's every entrepreneur, you know, yeah. whether we realize it or not, we don't know what our own potential is until we keep striving for like, what it, yeah. what can I actually accomplish? So Love that you called yeah. it that, that like I couldn't find my ceiling. That's so cool. So yeah. anyway, you're doing RA yeah. and you, then you left your job and you could have started your own thing, mm -hmm. but you realized that ultimately scalability was important to you. Like yeah. what did, 
what influenced you at a young age to make you realize that you didn't just want a job? Yeah, um, it's a great question, actually. So I come from, you know, the quote unquote broken home. <laughs> so, so my parents split when I was three um, and, you know, have amazing step parents. But my stepfather, uh, he came in my life when I was about 12, maybe 11. And he was a business owner. They, they basically uh, did entertainment for weddings. And so at a very pivotal age for me um, in my developing years, uh, he, he would just take me to these events. And it was kind of funny. I, I would be 12 years old DJing at weddings and like parties, which was kind of cool. Um, but he kind of through experiences and through actions showed me that there's an alternative. Now, the rest of my family, not that way. Nobody, I didn't know that was a thing. What, what do you mean you own a business? I didn't know that, right? And so here he comes along and I can, you know, not go to school on a Tuesday and he's still at the house. I'm like, don't you have to go to work? He's like, I am at work. I was like, okay, <laughs> like, how does that work? You know, and we, you know, he had a little home office and stuff, but um, he, he would always make a point to take me to experience things. Um, which is pretty cool. I mean, it, it showed me a alternative and I didn't know, I, I never grew up thinking or wanting to be a certain thing. I, I've never, I've always been envious of those people that are like from day one, I wanted to be a teacher. It's like, that's, I'm so envious. Like that's so cool. Regardless of what that thing is, just the fact that you knew, I didn't know. And to be honest, I didn't know how much potential I had because I didn't believe that I had much. So the 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 uh, options that I thought I had for myself were pretty small, um, and then I knew because I had worked a lot of jobs and realized I was really good at whatever job I did. But I kind of got bored and I wanted to change things. I always wanted to make things better, and I didn't have the control to or the authority to 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 make those changes to make things better. And I kind of got sick of it. I'm I'm very much the person that like if we're doing it one way and I know we can do it better another way, and you tell me to, we'll just keep doing it the way we're we're doing it now i'm going to tell you no <laughs> like it's just it's like you're wrong <laughs> you know so that's how i got um, that for me that's where i got with working for the government you know right. it's like <laughs> you just i got so tired yeah. of just accepting mediocrity or bureaucracy right. i was like you know it's so much easier we can just do it this way it makes sense and they're like come on amy you know we're the government and we're not going to do anything that just makes sense and it's like no, there's a better you know? way. And, but you know, it's yeah. not, there's something to be said about having jobs like that for a long time, because yes. then when you go off on your own, you just crush mm -hmm. it. Cause you're like, yes, no limits. Sure. I'm not afraid to go after something, yeah. you know, cause you're like, you're not worried about if it won't work. You're like, yeah, I've wanted to do this for so long. I'm going to do it. It's awesome. Yeah. So you, you were at RA Mm -hmm. you were like, this isn't scalable. I'm yeah. one dude trying to do all the shopping. Like sure. what's next? Yeah. Um, I was in a very toxic relationship at the time and we were living together. Um, and I had just gotten to a point where I literally just like hated my life. Um, I knew I had a lot of potential at that point, And I, I realized the gap between what I thought I should be or who I thought I should be versus where I was, was so wide that I just had to close it immediately. So I actually decided to go back to school full-time and in parallel, <laughs> switch over to wholesale. So, so why, the, why the switch to wholesale? Um, I realized that I could do a lot more upfront work. But the moment I got the account, we're good for like 12 months, right? The way that I purchased things. And so I also realized 
I didn't have to touch inventory. <laughs> so when I'm looking at my time, I'm like, I don't have the time to be peeling, you know, um, uh, discount stickers from, from Target. I don't have that kind of time. I don't have the space to do it even. And so I realized I wanted to be able to do 10,000 units a month. And I had this weird idea where I was like, you know what, you should be able to process 100,000 units a month the same way, just as easy as you could 1,000. Can't do that with RA unless you hire a bunch of people. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm like 22. Like, I'm not going to hire a bunch of people. Like, you know, I'm barely making enough to pay my bills at this point. Right. And so I had to make that shift. And, you know, we, we kind of talked about this previously where, where you get to a point where you kind of want to go back to, to RA, right. Cause it's fun, blah, blah, blah. I said a hard constraint limitations are important. So what I did is I said, okay, you're paying your bills with RA right now, but you know, for a fact that that wholesale is going to make sense. You got to figure it out. So I set a rule. I'm not allowed to buy inventory unless it's wholesale, period. And again, now I have a, a few months to figure that out. And eventually I did. Um, you know, in, in the startup world, we always say just don't die. If you could just keep working for another day, you're fine. You'll keep figuring it out, right? You have more at-bats, so to speak, to figure it out. And that's all I needed. I just needed to be able to continue to do it. I didn't need to succeed in like 30 days. I just needed to be able to continue to do it over the course of the next 30, 60, 90 days. And eventually it starts to take off. Um, but what, and I approach it differently. So I immediately had a prep center. I've never seen any wholesale inventory in person from day one. That was by design. When I sat down to, to design the business, the architecture of your business, which a lot of people don't do, yeah. even if it's simplistic, I did that so that I could also go to school. Because now I don't have to worry about, oh, I got a big shipment coming in. No, I send an email to my prep center. We're good to go. It's not a problem. Mm -hmm. So even as it continued to grow and scale, it didn't require more of my time. And that enabled me to be a full-time student, support myself while doing so and, and have a cash flow business. I love that you took the time to sit down and plan it. I mean, um, you know, I have people all the time that'll send me messages and go, Amy, I, I think I want to start this. Like, can you give me some tips on how to start it? And I'm like, sit down and figure out how you're going to do it. <laughs> Not every business is the same. Like I, yeah. I can't, you know, I get asked questions about, well, I want another stream of income. How do I start writing yeah. listings or how do I start, you know, doing sure. affiliate marketing? Well, you have to have a plan. You know, everybody sure. does it a little differently. You can definitely do yeah. it, but you gotta have a plan. So I love that mm -hmm. you did that. You designed it the way you needed to design it and you yes. made it work. And then I know like during that time, you also shared your journey along the way. So not yeah. only you were going back to school, mm -hmm. full time. what were you going back to school for? Finance. So for finance, so you went back to yeah. school for finance. You were doing, you were doing wholesale at the time. Mm -hmm. You did a new business plan, not touching your inventory, figuring it out day mm -hmm. by day. Yeah. And you were sharing, you were giving back during that time. You were yep. helping other people get started doing the same thing you were doing. Mm -hmm. And wow, that's incredible. That There are few people that I know <laughs> in this world that are yeah. as crazy as me and you <laughs> to do stuff like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I love that. It's so rewarding. So then you're doing the wholesale thing for a while and mm -hmm. Then you got into software. So how did yeah. that, how did that happen? Yeah. Um, I think there's an important point to make that a lot of people don't talk about because a lot of people say, oh, I want to do affiliate marketing or, oh, I want to sell on, on Amazon. And I like to ask the question why, 
Because when you when you actually ask, like, well, why Amazon? A lot of people don't have a good good decision or, or, or a good reason, right? It's just like, ah, oh, because you can make money, right? It's like, so? You can make money being a drug dealer. That doesn't mean you want to be a drug dealer, right? And theoretically, as far as I understand, they got great margins. Um, so <laughs> my, my point here is that you really need to reverse engineer what you want. What do you, what do you want? Uh, you don't just want a business. I know it seems that way, especially when you don't have one, right? What you want is a certain type of business that supports who you are and what you want out of that business. So there's a big difference between a, a cash flow business and a equity heavy business. And what I mean by that is wholesale is fantastic for cash flow, but you're never going to exit that business. Nobody's going to buy you for three times the multiple. Sorry, if somebody is telling you they're going to sell their wholesale business for a 3x, no, they're not. Um, you might get 1.2. Private label, on the other hand, takes longer to get to a point where you are cash flowing. But the point here is now you have equity that is worth something that you can now exit for five to seven X multiple all day long. So it depends on what you're optimizing for. If you want to, you know, not take anything out because you're, you're, you know, let's say you love your job, but you're just like, I want to grow a six figure business and then exit it for seven. But I still love my job. Perfect. Go private label, right? Um, if you're like, I just want to quit my job. I don't care about having a big windfall exit. I just want to be, you know, free and do my own thing and make my own decisions. Go wholesale. Totally makes sense, right? So you have to pick what makes sense for you. When, when, when we're talking about um, scalability, because I always come back to that, I'm always looking for something that's more scalable. Software is more scalable. And I got to a point where I was not having an impact with my Amazon business. It wasn't. It was cool. It was enjoyable. I learned a ton. Um, but I realized through you know sharing, because I did live sourcing, I, did, I was the first person to do like free, no upsells, no courses, like wholesale sourcing for an hour every single Tuesday. I did that for like two and a half years. I wrote two blog posts that were in-depth, like better than any wholesale course, like content, like in-depth for free every Tuesday and Thursday between classes for a year. Um, the feedback I got from that meant more to me. I can always make money. That's, that, that's, that's not the hard part at this point. Um, but I realized I wanted to make money. Caveat must have <laughs> impact. <laughs> Um, maybe that's just me being a nerdy millennial and wanting to quote unquote, having impact, but, but I do. And I realized I had an opportunity to, to help other people. Um, and it sounds cliche. I, I get that, but, but it, it, it hit a bone in my body. And to be honest, I've always wanted to have a software company. I've always wanted to have that, but I've, I've never been that technical of a guy. Like I'm technically inclined, but I'm not an engineer and I, you know, you can call it luck all day long. Um, and there's probably a portion of it that is luck. But when I was running the wholesale business, I DM'd every single person on Instagram that I saw doing wholesale at a higher level than I did. And I offered to pay them for an hour of their time. These were not gurus. These were just straight up people running the business. My, my now co-founder, James, was one of those people who, who actually responded. And he's like, dude, don't worry about the money. Like, let's, let's just talk. And then we got to a point where we're like, you know what, let's, let's hold each other accountable. Let's talk every Friday. Lo and behold, he's an actual like engineer major at UMass at the time. Um, and we're like, we, we, we have something we can build. Like, let's, let's try it. So we built VidDrive CRM as like our first kind of, you know, prototype software, like not super impactful, but just like, let's test this model before we kind of figure things out. And that's what we did. And we, we launched that, realized, okay, we can do this. We no idea what we're doing, by the way. Um, and then we decided we wanted to work on something larger. And then that's when we got to Aura. And that's when things really, really took off. And I had to make some hard decisions along that path. 
um, a lot of people don't know this. Uh, at the time, I was running the wholesale business, going to school full time, um, starting to gain a little bit of traction with Vendrive CRM. I got a job at a startup full time. I did that for experience. I wanted to know how you do things. I wanted to, I've never, I'd never worked at a tech startup. There were VC backed 10 million in my city, which, you know, to get a VC backed startup in, in, in Jacksonville is very uh, uncommon. And I was like, I want to go work for them for free or not for free. I'm sorry, um, full time and low paying job, low man on the totem pole. I'm still running like a profitable business, but I did that strategically. Yes. And, there's a lot of people who do that, that, yeah. you know, cause you definitely want to be behind the scenes in someone else's mistakes Yeah. before yeah. you go make your own, you know, it's Correct. like, <laughs> it's like, you know, the things that you don't want to do that your parents did, you know, you're mm -hmm. like, okay, sure. I'm not going to do that with my kids. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's cool to learn. And, yeah. you know, I would probably do the same thing. Like if I were yeah. to start like a major retail store or something, I would probably mm -hmm. go back and get a job managing retail or I would, you but know what I mean? a lot of people like, wouldn't because of ego, right? A lot of people go, oh, well, I'm a business owner. So that means something. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and I, I'm a big fan. And I've always said, play chess, not checkers. Checkers is very straightforward. You want to start playing chess, that's different. Now you're thinking three to five moves ahead. And that means sometimes the perception of you taking 15 steps back is really only you taking one step back, which is the catalyst for you taking 15 forward. So, right. um, you know, we're kind of getting to the crux of I'm no longer an Amazon seller. That was a strategic decision. And a lot of people were like, why would you give up a, a profitable business? They're like, you're stupid straight up. I was like, that's fair, but here's, here's my strategy. And here's my thought process. I need time. That's what I need right now. So by me shutting that down, I am short-term negating profits, cash flow, that then becomes a catalyst through time to launch something that in six months will literally be double the revenue of my Amazon business that took me two years to get to. That becomes leverage. That is more scalable. And to be frank, that's what I wanted, right? And so again, it comes back to these key concepts. What do you actually want? Are you, are you reverse engineering the type of business you want? And sometimes, listen, you got, you got to get one before you get the other. I get that. There's there's strategy there, right? Um, and, you know, you're a finance major and yeah. you probably know a little bit about opportunity cost and what mm -hmm. that means. And oh, yeah. that's exactly what you did is you looked yeah. at the opportunity cost of keeping that business running. Yeah. And it, it didn't make sense yeah. for what you right. were trying to build you needed time, you needed mm -hmm. to learn a little bit about, you know, what does it look like when I do my own yeah. um, side of this? So, I mean, and again, you know, it's just, it's so, it's so smart, you know, it's, it's really, I, I don't look at it as if someone gives up an Amazon business that it's a bad, you know, even right. service providers now, service providers that aren't sellers yeah. that are helping sellers, it depends what they're doing, right? right. Like, <laughs> you sure. know, like for me doing listing optimization, for example, well, I see the results of my work. Right. And I've fixed hundreds of listings of yeah. people who are not sellers who are just writing listings and don't mm -hmm. see the results of their work. Yeah. And it's like, so in that case, you know, Andy and I have talked about this. We're like, oh, you know, will we still keep our Amazon businesses if, you know, yeah. after our exit, would we start another one? Would we always sell on yeah. Amazon? And 
I think a part of us, well, yeah, we have an Amazon podcast. Like, would we want to be that far removed from it? You know, it's, it's part of yeah. the community that we're in. So, you know, I think there's a balance there, but at sure. the same time, like we talked about before we hit the record mm-hmm. button, you know, you were in a space where you didn't have a lot of equity in that business. Correct. It was good cash flow for you, but really it was just trading your time for money. Yep. And so what you did was you traded that in for something you could build equity in. Yeah. And um, so I think that, yeah, you can look at those two things yep. and go, all right, is the business model kind of back to what we were saying originally mm-hmm. is the business model that I'm choosing is it the right fit for me? And what do I eventually want? Like, what's, yeah. what does my exit look like? What, what do I want for my life? Sure. You know, and then what you said, you said reverse engineer that. And yeah. I love thinking about it that way. <laughs> right. It's so cool, you know? So, so two things I want to highlight there. Um, one, there's a, there's a clear difference between a business and a company. They're fundamentally different in my opinion. Um, I realized I didn't want a business. I wanted to build a company. A company exists outside of you. A company is its own. I, it's it's its own organic, you know, entity, right? Um, a business is different, and and neither one is is better than the other. It depends on what you want. Again, reverse engineering. Um, but I realized I wanted a company, not a business. And then two, to your point about you know, do you want to be so separated, um, or or you know, so many deviations away from from understanding things as a seller? I, I kind of dealt with that for a little bit. I was like, you know, is this really going to hurt me? And I got to a point where I was like, you know what? What's your sample size as a seller? N of one, right? But when you're on the service side, like we are, we've got thousands upon thousands of sellers. The amount of the data set size that we have access to yeah. is exponentially higher. Than if you were so just actually, doing it on your own. Yeah. Right. So 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 a lot of people were like, oh, well, how are you gonna do blah blah blah? I was like, because my my N is not one. <laughs> my N is thousands upon thousands. Yeah. So actually, I became more of an expert by making that switch. Um, and that, that's hard for a lot of people to understand because like, oh, do you have to be in the thick of it? I'm like, do you? Like, or I could just look you at the look data. look at the results exactly of your work <laughs> yeah. every day. Yeah, so yeah. you're able to see that, you know, it's 100%. like, you know, you're able, it's the same thing with, with yeah. private label. I don't have all this experience to give people because of my one brand in the pet right. business. <laughs> I have all of this experience to give people because I've worked with people in literally hundreds of categories over thousands of listings and gone to China and walked through all these Mm -hmm. factories with people. That's, that's where my experience comes from. It comes from them. It doesn't come from, um, from just my little business that, you know, my little company. So that's, (laughs) it's such a cool thing to look at it that way. And I love that you followed your passion and what you Mm -hmm. wanted. So speaking of your passion and what you wanted, tell us about Aura. What is Aura and what do you guys do? Yeah. So Aura is a intelligent repricing tool. Um, so the way we approached it is, um, we, we, me and my co-founder have used repricing tools when we were both sellers and none of them really hit the mark (laughs) to be honest. And we found that we, you know, we, we had a hypothesis that we could do a better job and, and serve the market in a different way. And when we approached it, we looked at, okay, well, you know, what, what's the primary things you got to have instant repricing the, the basics there. Right. But then what's missing um, one, it's the value play. So you have the very, very expensive ones. You have the very, very cheap ones, but when you go with the very, very cheap ones, you negate speed performance, things like that. And really there's not that big of a jump between 
you know, really, really good features and the most expensive one. So we're like, let's sit somewhere in, the, in, in between, right? Like we understand what it's like to be sellers and use these tools. A lot of these companies don't. And so we had a unique advantage where we've both been sellers. My co-founder is an actual engineer, so nothing's outsourced. <laughs> and two, I'm a finance major, which actually does help on the economic side because really repricing is just economics. And so we set to build that out. And, and one of the, the main features or, or um, pillars we wanted to sit on top of was just amazing customer service. I mean, we had... We had, you know, quote unquote advisors tell us we should outsource that from day one because we're founders and we shouldn't be doing that. And I wholeheartedly disbelieved that statement. I think it was crap, to be honest. And so literally while in school, literally sitting in lectures as one of the two founders, I did every single support ticket for the first two years. And I think that's but, the right thing to do. Like Feedback loops. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of like mental models, right? So feedback loops is, is a mental model where, you know, um, as close as you can be to the thing you're trying to have an impact on or, or make better, the better you're going to have a feedback loop, right? So by me actually talking to every single person who's having a problem or, or who has a question, it tells me, what do we need to fix? What do we need to work on next? Um, what kind of support documentation do I need to build? And what's great is because I was doing that work, I actually built the entire system to be incredibly efficient. So by me, you know, quote unquote, being a, a customer support rep, um, that enabled me to become an expert at building customer support teams. Because what was great is I'm building SOPs and, and protocols and here's how we do X, Y, and Z because I want my life to be better. And the moment we hired somebody from the day he started till being by himself fully was a week and a half. And I'm talking like not just next to me, all support, all day by himself, week and a half. Um, so I, I've I've kind of hone this framework for if you're going to hire somebody you need to you need to do the work a lot first because so so um i'm a big fan of like lean manufacturing principles so like uh toyota production system things like that and one of the aspects when it comes to lean manufacturing is is being on the gimba gimba is just japanese if i'm not mistaken for the assembly line so in that type of environment a vice president of a department is not allowed to actually go to the person doing the work and tell tell them this is how you should do it you don't know that you're not doing the work. So right. I haven't earned the right to tell you how to do the work until I've done the work, right? But the fact that I'm an expert now makes me, you know, uh, an authority to that person. Right now, now my team looks up to me and it's easy to hire people and train them and all that stuff. So a lot of people are like, oh, it's hard to find good people. I'm like, no, it's not. You just don't know how to train and you don't know how, how to create systems and make things better, right? A lot of people are like, oh, just hire somebody for that. Like, but did you make it better first? Because if you didn't make it better, Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.